Hi, everybody, and welcome to Unified, a podcast feed from First Church Belmont Unitarian Universalist. We'll be sharing sermons and stories, especially thematic content made new every week. We're so glad you're here, and for more information about who we are and opportunities to grow and deepen, swing by the church on Sundays or check out our website at uubelmont.org. And for now, enjoy this new content. Stories become healing when we share them. When we can hold our hardest stories with our softest ones. The grief and the joy, the shame and the belonging. When we can reframe and reclaim the stories that make up our lives and the lives of those who came before us. While contemplating our theme of heritage, I have realized the depth of influence so many people, places, and stories have had on my life. I can safely say one of my great influences was my parents' careers as professional freelance oboists. (laughs) I grew up in the backstage of concert halls being babysat by other children of musicians. My dad regularly played with the Baltimore Opera Company, and I began attending these operas when I was four years old. At this time, of course, I had already had years of attending the symphony and recitals, so I was well-versed in my etiquette and simply adored the emotionally enthralling experience of live classical music. On this one cold fall evening, four-year-old me walked with my parents to the opera house, dropped off my dad at the side entrance, and my mom and I made our way to the lobby hand in hand. I had a special pep in my step that evening because not only were we going to the opera, we were going to see Mozart's The Magic Flute. I was enamored with The Magic Flute, having watched, rewound, and rewatched my VHS copy of Ingmar Bergman's 1975 film adaptation countless times. I was so excited to see this opera that I asked my mom to get the closest seats possible. So she walked away with two comp tickets for the first row, just to the left of the middle stage. I was thrilled, ecstatic. We got our intermission chocolate chip cookie, I swear it was the size of my head, and made our way to the front row. Quick tip, when you next go to the opera, I recommend you get your intermission chocolate chip cookie before the show, Then you never have to choose between the cookie line or the bathroom line at intermission. And you can thank me later for that. So we get to the front row and find our seats. I wave to my dad in the pit orchestra. Can you believe it? Front row seats, dad. Then I start to thumb through the program, strategically studying the faces of every cast member and the strategic poses they made in their headshots. 
Then, finally, the lights began to dim. The conductor took up his baton. I was utterly captivated, constantly shifting my view from the conductor to the orchestra to the singers. I found myself in musical bliss. Then, all of a sudden, in the middle of the act one duet with Pamina and Papageno, the older gentleman seated next to me stands up, faces me and everyone else in the rows behind us, and begins to yell at me. He tells me I am too young to attend the opera. He asks my mother where she got the nerve to bring me here. He says that I've been kicking him through the space underneath the armrest, and he wants me gone. Eventually, he sits back down, and I'm frozen in my seat, tears falling down my cheeks, silent, trying to make myself as small as possible. My mom whispers to me, switch seats. I refuse. I couldn't. I came into that concert hall with such a deep sense of belonging. And in an instant, that shifted to a deeper sense of shame and alienation. I didn't belong here, and I was wrong to be here. As an adult, I notice moments that I'm still brought back to that sense of childhood shame of lack of belonging. These stories stay with us. And hurt has this tendency to build on hurt. So how do these become our healing stories? Well, perhaps we can figure that out together. Just as hurt builds on hurt, pain touches pain. And I wonder what my story touched in you. Let's take a moment to ask ourselves that question with curiosity. I invite you to settle in a little deeper, notice your breath, and find your story. A story that touches on something that still has heat for you. Maybe a story that arises when you encounter hardships or struggles. A story from your own life or perhaps a story from your ancestors. As we revisit some of our own stories, I encourage you to attend to your needs and be respectfully aware of the walls you choose to keep sturdy in your mind. Trust yourself and your capacity in this moment and invite a story that is helpful to revisit today. And as you hold your story, notice how it feels in your body. Do any tensions arise? Does heaviness show up? Notice without judgment. Let us hold these stories in silence for a moment.
When revisiting these kinds of stories, I find these words by Adrian Marie Brown illuminating. She talks about trauma, so I wanted to offer a contextualization of that work, which can be used to describe a variety of experiences. For our purposes today, I understand trauma as something that significantly and negatively disrupts our understanding of the world and our place in it. She says, trauma is the common experience of most humans on this planet. What we need is a culture where the common experience of trauma leads to a normalization of healing. Being able to say, I have good reasons to be scared of the dark, of raised voices, of being swallowed up by love, of being alone, and being able to offer each other. I know a healer for you. I'll hold your hand in the dark. We should celebrate love in our community as a measure of healing. The expectation should be, I know we are all in need of healing, so how are we doing our healing work? They become our healing stories when we can hold those stories of shame or sorrow with stories of joy and bliss. When we can make space for both realities, just as we must do in our day-to-day, as we hold the unconscionable realities of war and violence and the daily tasks or moments of joy and grief that sometimes feel inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. But they aren't if we can recognize the healing that's possible. Over the last couple weeks, I have felt heartsick, seeing the violence, recognizing the complexity of the relationship between Palestine and Israel, and all of the people who are suffering from it. I hold that grief tenderly. And that grief does not exist in a bubble. Not only does it connect to more grief and heartache, but it lives next to moments of levity, moments of joy. Honestly, it feels hard to reconcile. How do I feel joy without pushing out the grief or locking it away in the depths of my being? How do I hold both? Well, I suppose I can practice holding both in my own stories. In fact, that story I told you before didn't actually end where I ended it. That story ended up being a healing story, a story of belonging and acceptance. That night, when I was four years old, I got to sit in the front row to see my favorite opera, The Magic Flute. And after an incident that left me feeling deeply ashamed, I sat in my seat, still and quiet, no longer captivated by the conductor, the orchestra, not even the singers. I didn't want to be there anymore. Very soon after, the first act came to an end, 
It was intermission. That chocolate chip cookie, easily the size of my head, no longer in my mind's eye. The gentleman next to me got up and made his way to the lobby, presumably because he didn't know the cookie trick. I had my head nestled in my mom's arm. And then I heard a voice. Actually, many voices. People were coming up from the rows behind us. I could barely look up, but I heard person after person offer reassurance. I saw you enjoying this show so much, and I was so impressed with you. You did nothing wrong. You are exactly where you should be. You did nothing wrong. You belong here more than he does, apparently. You did nothing wrong. And finally, an opera house staff member comes and sits next to us. She says, I wanted to make sure you know that you are always welcome here. That man will not be attending any future operas here, but we hope to see you again soon. I was so deeply embraced by that community and was given assurance and love and care. I was offered such an unconditional sense of belonging. Yet, I don't think of that story as one of belonging. In my brain, it's filed in the shame folder or box or closet, however big that thing has gotten over the years since I was four. And just to speak to the tension that can exist between those feelings and stories, I had forgotten that the opera we had seen when this happened was the magic flute. It wasn't until I was talking to my mom about the story that she reminded me of this. And it shifted something in me. Not only was this a story of shame and belonging, this was actually a blip in an overarching experience of bliss. I was so happy to be at that performance. How do our stories become healing? By holding the extremes of emotional experiences together. But how do we do that? I think our reading for today offered us an answer. In the reading that Reverend Chris offered us this morning, Alicia Ford says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from love abundant. My help comes from the hills. My help, my help, it comes from ancient mothers whose hearts beat in mine. It comes from the trees that sway and the breeze that sways them. My help comes from all that was and is and will ever be. My help comes from love abundant. My help comes from all that was and is and will ever be. We are helped We are healed when we can hold all of our stories of anger, stories of grief, stories of joy, hold hold all of our stories 
in love. Love abundant. I have had the opportunity in my hospital chaplaincy to witness this time and time again. The healing that happens when we tell our story. When, with help, we start to reframe our narrative and slowly begin to reclaim the meaning it gives us in our lives. This is a piece of the puzzle of our lives that I'm especially dedicated to. I'm so grateful to be here in this community for the next eight months, and I would love to hear your stories. This is part of what we do as a community, and it is transformative. When we hold these stories compassionately, with love, and we share them with one another, we give ourselves the opportunity to hold all of the complexities that arise in the reality of the world and in the reality of the stories that make up who we are. And when we do share them with others, we also get the chance to hear that we aren't alone in our experiences. In fact, I bet we are in good company. To borrow the ending of Nate's story, our stories can be like the little acorns that gradually grow and shape into sapling trees despite the harsh winter. And like the villagers who started a new chapter of growth and healing with their own stories, which they still share today, so may it be for us. Amen.